Good morning, brothers and sisters. Let's uh, meditate and pray for a little while and do the Lord's Prayer. Let's all do it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be in thy name. Thy kingdom come, thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Resign the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, ever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to read the scripture. Today's scripture is found in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt be, before the Lord and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not mur murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, the man was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for camels to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Peter was impetuous, if you remember, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one that has left his house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last will be first yeah, I made a, a few notes just on verse 1 in our, in our scripture today. This includes Luke identified this rich man as a ruler or a king. He obviously had big stature because of his many possessions. Luke had identified him as a ruler. Another thing to note about this man is that he wasn't walking to Jesus. He didn't walk. He didn't just casually stroll to see Jesus. He ran. 
and running indicates that this meeting with Jesus was urgent and important to him personally. He had made, he was a rich man, he was a king, he had things to do, but he made meeting Jesus a priority. Despite having probably a lot of other things on his agenda. We should also notice that when he reached Jesus, when he got there, what did he do? He fell on his knees. Good teacher, he said to him. That was unusual that he called Jesus good teacher. Because good teacher was a particular cultural term that not even rabbis accepted. Because it, it meant that you were flawless, perfect, and sinless. Jesus and his disciples would have recognized his reference to Christ's deity. I wish and pray everyone would have the same gumption that this man had, running to Jesus and falling at their knees in humiliation. Last thing I'd like to note about that first verse is he asked Jesus how he could inherit eternal life. He didn't ask Jesus how he could work for it or earn it. That, those things never crossed his mind. He was a king. He's, he was used to, completely used to things being given to him. He didn't normally have to work for or earn anything that he had. A lot of it was just inherited and due to his stature. Therein lies the one criticism I had for that man. I congratulate him on his need and importance, urgency he ran to Jesus with and the fact he fell on his knees. He didn't understand the, the message of grace, the very simple message of grace. He said, how do, how do I earn eternal life? You don't earn it. You do not earn it. What you do is have something that's very free and very abundant. It's there for your taking. All you got to do is grab it, faith. The Lord points towards questioning his young ruler's motives by asking him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, which is why I say even rabbis didn't like that title. It is as if Jesus was asking the young ruler to examine his own intentions for that question. Then Jesus mentions the commandments the young ruler should be keeping. The young ruler answered with pride, I've kept all these things from my youth, since my youth. His mistake there was connecting eternal life to stuff he did. He had, he had no concept of the grace that Jesus offered with salvation. Unfortunately, the mistake that man made is not uncommon today. A lot of people look at Christians and say, oh, yeah, you're great, yeah, you got this, you got that, you're going to live forever, blah, 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 whatever. It's a complete dismissal of our faith. It's a complete ignorance of the love that Jesus Christ and God has for them. Perhaps the rich man was thinking, why would I work for something when it could or should just be given to me? So Jesus quoted him from commandments. But it wasn't the Ten Commandments, the book that Jesus 
the writings that Jesus quoted the man were from the table. This table only concerns human-to-human relationships. And it's possible the rich man had actually pretty much kept all those his entire life. The way that man studied them were again written in the table. So maybe he did actually follow what he thought was from God. The command from God. But let me expand on that a little bit. If you have ever thought or wish something bad would happen to somebody because of something negative or really bad they did to you, you've broken a commandment. You've sinned. Harder. It's really hard to separate being a pushover from living a Christian life and showing the love of others to others. When they do something to you that probably deserves retaliation, that should not be the first thing in your mind. What you should do is sit back and think to yourself, that was really bad, but consider that person, although they had done it, it probably wasn't them. It was the influence acting upon them that had hurt you emotionally. That's why they exacted against God, acted against God. So that rich young ruler, he misunderstood the Lord's question because of the man at the table. But what he didn't get was the actual words given to Moses of the Ten Commandments. He wasn't a student of them because culturally that wasn't the thing to do. Like I said, what they did you was probably awfully terrible and deserving of retaliation and revenge. But revenge is not ours. It's the Lord's. If you don't believe that, I have to ask you to question your own faith. You don't think everything works out? It does. Doesn't always work out the way we want it to or the way we would like to see it work out. But God's got it. And he's got you. The 21st verse says that Jesus looked at the rich ruler with love. I thought about that and thought, geez, this is a rich king that wouldn't accept his grace. That probably gave him holy consternation from his question about wanting eternal life. Basically thinking he could buy it. So he told him he must sell his earthly possessions and give all the money he earned to the poor in order to follow him. To follow Jesus doesn't mean wear a robe and walk in the woods. It means to think like Jesus, to live like Jesus. What you have is your property, but it's not from you. It doesn't stay with you after you've passed. It's available for you to share with others using your faith and the love of Jesus Christ. He gives you love. 
you show love to others by helping them. And like I say, people skip on the praise of worship of God to be with their toys, to be with their earthly possessions. God should never, ever take second place to what you have. Moth and rust do corrupt. It's gone. We're here for such a short time. It doesn't matter if you live 90 years or 15. What you have does not follow you after you die. And God should always take first place in your mind. But when Jesus told us this man to sell all his possessions, what did he do? He grieved. He thought, what? I can't give up all that for this? I don't even know what words to say. That's to go away from Jesus grieving, to run away or walk away, doesn't matter. You turn your back. To walk away grieving because Jesus asked you to help other people? That just seems preposterous to me. And like I said, Matthew 19.20, the ruler asked Jesus what he still left. And Mark omits that question, but the answer that Jesus gave is most important to us. It's where we put our priorities. Jesus Christ went on a, on a cross, nails driven through his hands and shins, and died and went to hell. That's, like, that's not like somebody bumming you a buck when you need it. Isn't that awful, grotesque sacrifice on your behalf worth your faith and your love? Think about it. Next time you feel like cutting somebody down or cutting somebody off, even in traffic, which I'm not guilty of, <laughs> think about what God has done and is still doing for you. It's mind-blowingly incredible. Putting God first like this grieved this man and saddened him. In Matthew 19, 20, the ruler asked Jesus what he still lacked. That's, that's almost a ridiculous question. Look at Jesus. I've got a castle. I've got horses. I've got cars. I've got TVs. I've got stereos. I've got food in the refrigerator. What do I need? He needs the man that he was talking to. And he didn't know it. It's simply a matter of where he put his priorities and thereby we put our priorities. He understood who Jesus was. He fell on his knees. He understand who Jesus was, but he didn't know who Jesus was. That's the distinction I would like to make. After man left grieving, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at this because it was the Hebrew belief that riches were God's, a sign of God's personal favor for you. But he didn't use the word, it's impossible for a rich man to enter the, the gates of heaven. 
He said it's hard. It's a little more difficult. Because when you have money and all you, you need groceries, oh, jump in your car and go get them at the store. You need gas, drive to the gas station, put it in your tank and pay for it. That kind of independence is what could, not will, but could damn a rich person. I'm not saying anything bad against them. I'm not against money. Believe me, I, I like it myself. It has to be kept in perspective and, and weighed against Christ. Jesus went across Hebrew cultural norms when he said it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. So the impetuous Peter spoke up and retorted, Lord, I've kept everything and followed you. Jesus answered that anyone who has left earthly things and family behind on behalf of the gospel will gain a hundredfold. Seems bad here. Oh, and then I have friends that won't talk to me. I have family members that won't talk to me. Because I'm going to church and I speak about Christ. Compare that to what he did for us and for you. That price is so small, so tiny. So unimportant what we suffer as far as rejection or insult. How can you, that can't even be compared to being beat with a leather whip and drawn up on a cross with nails in your forearms and feet and hung there to die till you suffocated. He didn't die from blood loss. Jesus did not die from blood loss. He died, he fixated himself. He, he died from edema, pulmonary edema. He was in such bad shape and beaten so bad that hanging him on the cross like that filled his lungs with fluid. He literally drowned for you, for you, for you, for everybody in this world, even the people that don't give him the time of day or won't join him in heaven, he tortured and drowned on the cross for them. And the Lord, answering the impetuous Peter, said, finally, he repeats the comment that the first will be last and the last will be first. I believe that a portion of the reason to say this is to reassure the disciples and us with faithful confidence. For look at what the disciples lost. They lost friends. They lost their businesses. They probably lost family members. Oh, he's not. He's following that Jesus guy. He's a Jesus freak. And they lost everything they had to follow Jesus. What's 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, even 100 bucks put in an offering plate compared to that? I dare say we haven't given enough. We have not given enough as individuals pay Christ back for what he's done for us, for you, and for all of us. The words Jesus spoke apply to the persecutions, the persecution of Christians today, especially in the Middle East and China. I don't want to start anything here, but you know what? You know what the punishment is if you're following the Bible in your home 
in the Middle East and in China. They don't throw you in jail. They don't take your food away. They don't cut off your power. They kill you. We have brothers and sisters. Our family members are in other parts of this world that are paying the price for their faith in Christ. We can joyously celebrate that we do not have to face that. And I would add, pray for them. When you're in your car and wherever you pray, at home, going to bed, pray for our brothers and sisters in this world that are really paying. I believe the portion of the reason to say this is to reassure us and the disciples with their faithful confidence. And just like I say, it's the persecution that I have or you have suffered is so minor compared to what Jesus suffered. I've been called a Jesus freak. I've lost friends and people that don't like talking to me because of uh, who I have faith in. But we shouldn't worry about that. That shouldn't occupy one little sign of the billion synapses in our head. Should not even take one of them or worry or grieve about it. Because the, the, the price, the reward that we get for our faith is an eternal, loving home with Christ. And when we get up there, speaking of somebody who's been there, <laughs> that's another story. People like, because I died three times, and they said, Mike, did you miss, did you miss down here when you were up there? No. No. And I know why. Because what was down here never entered my mind. I was so overjoyously enraptured by being in heaven in the very presence of Christ. I didn't even think of it. I didn't think about, oh, man, my friends, my wife, my family, they're all stuck down there and I'm up here. If you thought like that, heaven wouldn't be paradise. So you don't think of those things. That's why when we get to heaven, we forget everything we went through and did down here on earth. Except for the one thing. When we act on Christ's behalf, when we celebrate our Christianity in the presence of others, we get rewarded for that by him. And it's as if some, the Lord was saying, basically, you know, like I say, don't worry about the attempted insults hurled at you. The relatively minor amount of rejection and persecution you'll have to withstand means nothing compared to what I have to offer you. And absolutely pale in the comparison of the glory we will have when we're at home with Jesus. In our last verse, it says the first will be last and the last will be first. This reminded me immediately of the king that would not surrender his earthly belongings to follow Jesus. Okay, granted, he was a king. He probably had a lot. He had chariots. 
castles, servants, but he wouldn't give that up to follow the man that was tortured and died for him. When I think of it, when I've been bothered by my mild amount of persecution I've, I've been given, I would say, you know what? This too shall pass. You've got your digs in on my Christianity, on my Christ. I've said what I thought needed to be said, felt needed to be said by led, needed to be said by Spirit, and you didn't accept it. Good luck to you. Really, good luck to them. If they don't accept what you're sharing, I I don't even like to think about the consequences. Because I don't like to think about them and they don't know them. They're not any better off. The verse reminds me of the saying where he said the first will be last, the last will be first. I think I already said it too. Maybe not, but somebody told me one time, hey Mike, don't be so heavily minded that you're so earth, you're of no earthly good. I'm like, you know what? That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> if somebody says that to you, you're probably doing something right. <laughs> if you're being teased, if you're being rejected mildly, of course, because you're too Christian, amen. Well, job well done. We're not supposed to look down on the other hand, we're not supposed to look down or look or think less of people that don't have our blessings, our property, and our rights. What good is that? You see, you see a person shuffling down the sidewalk with holes in their shoes, an old overcoat with holes in it, messy hair. I feel guilty every time I think, oh, that's just a bum. It's not. It may be a brother or sister in Christ of mine. I shouldn't look down on it, even though I do. We shouldn't look down on it. Yeah, and the ironic thing I thought about regarding that was, when we pass and get to heaven, that person we look down on, that person that we rejected socially, may be up there with crown, worshiping Christ, right alongside me. Feel guilty when you look down on other people. You should. I'm telling you, you should. They might be a brother or sister in Christ. There is no skid row in heaven. They're not people living on an underpass, drinking their last beer, eating a sandwich they found in the garbage can. That's not in heaven. That's where we're going. That's where they may be going. Check your judgmental person. Check your judgment. Don't be so quick to think so little of so many. What we are here on earth and what we have 
is not what we will have or where we are going. And leading to this point, our number one reason for our existence here on earth as Christians is to spread the good news. The good news is the gospel of Christ. Yeah, when I was a kid, I saw the people in the white shirts on the 10 speeds. And, oh, geez, here comes the holy rollers. I'm not talking about their theology, but here again, I judged. Shame on me. Whether they were right or wrong in what they're doing is of no concern to me. It's his business, not mine. Why worry about it? A positive remark I like to give people. Everybody gets asked maybe several times a day, how are you? I use the, that, that opportunity to evangelize. I say things like, blessed and highly favored, even if I don't feel like it. Or miraculously th- uh, forgiven. If somebody asks you how you are, that is an awesome opportunity for you to evangelize. Or I say, undeniably blessed. Or occasionally I've heard this one somewhere else, so I can't take credit, but blessed beyond measure. When somebody asks you how you are, put forth who you are with your answer. You're not a person just here on earth taking up space and air like them. You're a child of the most high, eternal, loving God. Don't be afraid to show it. I think that's going to wrap up my sermon. The, the title of that sermon was The Leader Loses. I guess it could be conversely called The Loser Leads. <laughs> when we're looked down on for being Christian, it's their problem, not ours. Offertory prayer now? Okay. Let's do the offertory prayer printed in here. God of the cosmos and God of every heartbeat. Your work touches every corner of creation. Yet, when times are hard, we wonder if you've deserted us, and we've become tight-fisted and fearful that sharing with others will leave us empty-handed. As we bring these gifts to your altar, gives us the eyes to see and the hearts to know that you'll never desert us and never send us away in need. In the name of your Son, who came to remind us of your closeness, and to give his life to ours may be eternal. In your name I pray, Jesus Christ, amen. Now we're going to do the opportunity prayer on red, number 38. Take my life and let it be. Oost. Sorry.